Welcome back to Come Follow Me with Fair, Faithful Answers to New Testament Questions. My name is Jennifer Roach. Today we're going to talk about women and their role in the church. As you know, we are going through the Come Follow Me readings and addressing some common questions that an evangelical friend or family member might ask along the way. Our purpose here is not to fuel debate, but to help you understand where your evangelical friends or family members are coming from so that you could have some better conversations with them and perhaps even be able to offer them some of the gifts of our faith. And I think today, especially, we will see that. So today's um, scripture comes in Luke chapter eight. I'm gonna read you verses one through three. This is the English standard version, which I like a lot. And soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him and also some certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Interesting, right? Here we have Jesus and his disciples. Uh, they're going around doing what they do. We read all about that in the New Testament. And we also have a group of women who are supporting them financially. And, and the text doesn't say it, but we can probably assume they're offering some practical support as well. The, the roles that women would have played in that era, um, cooking and cleaning and washing and things like that. So the question that presents itself here is about the role of women in various churches. Yeah, this is not an easy question to answer on a number of fronts. One of the most complicating factors here in this conversation is that evangelical churches, are, they're not just one single entity. Evangelical is not a denomination. It's not even a formal group. Evangelicals self-identify. They are a subset of Protestants. Um, Evangelicals way of thinking started developing about 75 years ago. We've talked about some of the history of this in the past videos. It really started around the time of like the Billy Graham Crusades and it's grown and developed since then. But evangelicals can be of any denomination. They can be Baptist or Methodist or, or all kinds of things and even no denomination at all. So when we say, um, what is the evangelical stance on women? There is not one single answer to that question. There's, there's dozens of different answers. There are some general trends and we'll talk about those. And you should know there are lots of exceptions. One of the fascinating things here, if you have a, a evangelical friend or family member, you maybe just to even ask them, how does your church manage this? Because a lot of them do things slightly differently. Um, and explaining our Latter-day Saint understanding, it's, it's complicated for some other reasons, right? Like, unlike evangelicals um, who have a, a decentralized structure, we have a very centralized um, structure to our church. So the official list, as you will, of what women can and can't do, it's not hard to identify. Right? That's not the part that makes it difficult to talk about this for us. The difficult thing is that there's a lot of feelings around this. And we'll talk a little bit about that today, too. 
So first, when we say, what is the evangelical view on women? What, what do we even mean? So let's start by gaining a little understanding of, of how they see things and why they do. So the first thing I'll say is that I'm not talking about characteristics of evangelical women. The reality is they're not all that much different than Latter-day Saint women in many, many ways. They love Jesus. They serve their families. They serve their community. They serve their churches. They want good things for their children. They sacrifice for the people they love. They are very, very, very similar to Latter-day Saint women. So I'm not talking about them, their characteristics or them as individuals, but I'm going to talk about how they are viewed in their churches, what they're allowed to do and why. And I wish so badly that I could explain this to you in a simple way, something like, well, there's two groups and here they think this and, and here they think that. But the on the ground reality for them is just very different. It's not that simple. So I'm going to tell you how I understand it, even though that's a bit messier. I wish I had neat categories for you here and I just don't. Um, and I know that through all this, though the, even though the series is aimed at Latter-day Saints, all of it, we do have some evangelical friends who are listening along. Hi, evangelical friends. Um, and we would love to hear how your experience is. Um, the comment section on YouTube gets a, some good amount of conversation. Would love to hear how your experience is, is different or, or the same than what I'm about to talk about. So um, according to the Pew Research Center, roughly 10% of American churches in all their varieties, not just evangelicals, 10% of all American churches will ordain women and allow them to take top leadership positions in the church. So basically they will, they will ordain anyone, male or female, and anyone who is ordained is allowed to take any of the leadership roles as long as they qualify in the other ways. Gender is of no consideration. 10% of American churches, it's, it's really actually not all that many, right? About half of those churches are evangelical churches. So it's still a pretty small minority of churches. Well, it, there are not tons of women in lead pastor roles in evangelical conversations. There just aren't. Of the largest 100 churches in America, um, and these we call these mega churches, right? They're between 10,000 and 40,000 members, if you can imagine that. Some of the outliers have up to 100,000 members. Um, of the top 100 churches that are in that ranking, three of them have a woman in the senior role. Four others of them have in the past, but do not currently now. So the number of churches that have women in top leadership positions is just really small. We're actually going to kind of set that group aside for the moment. The churches that that ordain women and allow them to take any position, just because it, it really is a very, very small group. The only reason I point them out is that sometimes I think Latter-day Saint women look at other churches with some misunderstandings. They think that women have such a wider variety of things that they can do. And th that is true in some ways, and in some ways it's not. So first, let's look at the public role of women. Um, 
especially in evangelical churches, of all the remaining churches, the churches who will either not ordain women or they ordain them um, into roles that couldn't be top leadership roles. Of those remaining churches, which is the vast majority, there are limits on what women are allowed to do. Those limits will vary from church to church. Um, Latter-day Saint women, Latter-day Saint sisters, you might find this amusing to hear that many, many of those churches will not allow women to speak in a public service. They can't teach or preach. Maybe they can give an announcement. Maybe they can lead music, but they are not allowed to speak. I say that is amusing because in our church, our Latter-day Saint church, we let 12-year-old girls teach us on Sunday morning from the pulpit on a regular basis. Um, the, the sort of envy that we can have towards evangelical churches of, oh, women have such a better situation there. A lot of them do not. Um, and a woman would not be allowed to speak or teach, and especially not a 12-year-old girl. So sometimes when I hear Latter-day Saint friends complain about women not having enough of a role, I, I kind of just have to chuckle to myself because right out of the gate, girls and women in our church already have a greater role than in many other places. Churches that have this practice of women not being allowed to teach in a mixed group um, or in public, they are not doing that because they hate women. They're doing that because they are trying to obey their understanding of the New Testament, especially Paul, especially where he says um, a woman should remain silent in the church, right? They're trying to grapple with that in the way that they know how. They take it very literally. So when Paul says a woman should not speak in church, they they don't contextualize that in any way. They expect to be literal. Doesn't mean they like it. Um, but they get respect for taking the scripture seriously. We might disagree with what it is that they're doing, but they are doing it with some good motives. So, so there's that. Um, in other kinds of evangelical mm -hmm. churches, women are allowed to speak or teach, but they're restricted from doing other things. Um, in, the, in the Anglican um, evangelical church, women can, could teach all day long, but they can't bless or serve communion. Um, we would call it sacrament, they call it communion. The, the, a woman cannot say the blessing prayer over that, even though she can teach. Um, in some in some groups, women are restricted from being on the like governing board. They might call it an elders board or um, a vestry, something like that. So some some groups, women could bless communion, they could teach, but they can't be on the board. And there's a million little variations of just how this works out for them. Here is where women in our church actually have a lot in common with evangelicals um, in terms of what they can and, and can't do. It probably is fair to say that evangelical women have some mixed feelings about all of this, as do Latter-day Saint women. Um, and the same feelings that we go through of, huh, that feels kind of weird. I gotta, I gotta figure that out. They have the same experience. Um, and they manage those feelings very much like women in our church do. Um, the difference for them is if they don't like what's happening in an individual church, they can go to any other um, branch of their same denomination, any other 
denomination or non-denomination, they can just leave um, and go find a church that's more to their liking. That actually ends up being kind of a problem in the long run. I'm sure you can imagine that. Um, but that's how some of them manage that. In terms of public worship, outside of speaking and teaching, um, evangelical and Latter-day Saint women are actually pretty similar here. In both traditions, women are frequently found um, leading worship. For us, that looks like the, the song leader helping the congregation with a hymn. Um, for them, it might look like a praise band on stage with a, a woman singer. In both traditions, women are often found doing things like teaching Sunday school, leading youth, planning events, coordinating service efforts, many, many other things. Um, I know people in our church sometimes joke that the Relief Society runs everything, that nothing would happen without the Relief Society. It's true. Um, well, in evangelical churches, they they make the same joke too. They don't They don't have a name like we do, like Relief Society. But they make the same joke that women run those churches as, as well, but the experience is pretty similar. Um, so that's public roles of women. In terms of ordination, it gets really tricky here. I'm going to do my best to explain. When it comes to ordination, many evangelical churches don't even practice ordination in the first place. So this is not an easy comparison to make. For many of them, it's not even a category. It's not even something that they do. Of those who do, they think about ordination differently than we do. Ordination is usually not about being able to lead in some priesthood ordinance for them. They don't, they don't have a category called priesthood ordinances. In, in our church, um, ordaining a, a boy or a man, he is now um, authorized to lead, participate, conduct um, a variety of ordinances, depending upon his age and, and the status that he has. Um, that is not, evangelicals wouldn't know what we were talking about with that. Um, they, don't, they don't have a concept of, of priesthood ordinances. The only exception to this that I could think of was sometimes um, something like performing a wedding. They might think of that in the same way that we think of a priesthood ordinance. And so an ordained person would be required to conduct a wedding. There's not too many other examples though. Um, for the most part, ordination for evangelicals is a process through which the community recognizes that a certain person has a call to some kind of ministry, they become ordained as a way for the congregation to say that they will sustain that person in their call. In function, this is what we do too, even for women. And now I know that there are women, some of whom I like and respect a lot, they would really feel frustrated with that explanation because they feel using the word ordained is important. And they, they might feel like that was a little sleight of hand. If you just swapped out getting called and sustained for being ordained and they are not the same thing. And I sympathize with that pain, but in function, the callings that women experience in our church work the same way that ordination works in most other churches. 
ordination is just um, a, a service or a part of a service that recognizes someone is going to fill a role in the community and the community pledges to support that person. That's all it is for them. Is that not what we're doing when a woman is called to a role of service in our church? I would say yes. I do not know anyone else who is making that comparison or saying that. So I'm certainly open to feedback on that if you have some for me. But to me, if we're comparing apples to apples, that is the same thing. So interestingly enough, evangelical women do not usually receive any kind of formal calling or declaration of support or sustaining. If, um, if the third grade class needs a Sunday school teacher, a woman might volunteer. She might get a bit of training and, and some materials to use, but that's it. There's no calling. There's no setting apart. There's no sustaining. So while we don't use ordination language for women in our church, if you want an apples to apples comparison, it, it our situation is better than we recognize. Um, we don't talk about it that way, but that's how I see it. Another aspect I want to cover on role of women has to do with Heavenly Mother. So only the most liberal of evangelical or Protestant churches would talk about having a Heavenly Mother. Again, this is something they do not have a category for. And to be fair, it's not like we know a lot about her or have this super developed theology around her, but we do have the concept of her. The, the only comparison I could think of that comes even close to what evangelicals have on that is sometimes they will talk about God having feminine qualities. They might reference, um, like there's a verse where Jesus says he's like a mother hen gathering her chicks under her wings. And, and he, a man, has just made an analogy of himself as a mother, and that's kind of a feminine characteristic. They could do that. But they don't, they don't do much more than that. It pretty much stops right there. So before I joined our church, I didn't even know that Latter-day Saints had a belief in Heavenly Mother. I'd never heard that. And the, I'll tell you how I found out. Um, I wasn't even studying with the missionaries yet, but I wanted to visit a Latter-day Saints service and, and just see what it was like. And it, it so happened that it was Father's Day. We sang the hymn, Oh My Father. And, and I was really shocked to hear the line, um, I have a mother there. But I think, you know, during the song, I kind of just told myself, well, you know, with the song, they're being kind of poetic. Maybe she means her earthly mother is there. I have no idea. And so I kind of, kind of just let that go. But one of the speakers who was speaking that day, he's a middle-ish, middle-aged-ish man. His kids were teenagers. And he talked about the work of being a father with all its rewards and all its challenges and, and admitted that he could not have even begun this journey in any way without his wife. And then he said something like, it's just like our heavenly father, a, a heavenly mother was required. A, a mother is required for someone to become a father. And aren't we grateful to have a heavenly mother? And he didn't say much more than that. And he went on and made his next point. But to say that I was shocked was an understatement. Only the most liberal of liberal churches would talk about God in that way. I was so confused. 
Um, later, I, I think that same day, I messaged a friend to ask about it. And, and the only sense I could make of what had happened was maybe this man was giving his own idea. This was his own logic, but it couldn't possibly be something that the entire church believed and taught. And so I was really shocked and delighted to find out that it actually is a thing. Um, and and evangelicals don't have anything that, that really even comes close to that. Um, before we are done here, this has been a lot already. Before we are done, I want to make one recommendation. I know this is a tough topic for some women in our church. If nothing else, I hope this comparison has helped you see that when you compare like to like, apples to apples, we actually have quite a bit to be very pleased with. And, and still, it's fair to say, I think any of us can struggle from time to time on this topic. So I do have a thought that might help. On the FAIR Latter-day Saints website or on their YouTube channel, there is a talk called The Two Trees. It's by Valerie Hudson. I think it is my very favorite non-general conference talk. Dr. Hudson is, she's a member of our church. She's also a professor, Texas A&M. She's in the Department of International Affairs. She previously taught at BYU. Her list of credentials is longer than my arm. Um, I say all of that just to say she is no dummy. She is this incredibly impressive woman. And she gave a talk that really helped me kind of click into place um, the beauty and the goodness of the role of women in our church. So the talk is called The Two Trees. It is a very, it's a long and dense talk. I had to pause it a number of times the first time I listened to it just to kind of actually wrote down, just trying to track where she was going. And I will not do that talk justice here in this little summary I'm about to give you, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Sorry, Sister Hudson, if I butcher your talk, please forgive me. I'm a fangirl. Here, here's, here's her points. Without a woman, mainly Eve, the whole human project would have never got off the ground. And without another woman, Mary, Jesus Christ could not have come to save us. Without women, humanity would not be here and would not be saved. But men have their role too. Without the man, Jesus Christ, we would be stuck in sin forever. And without a priesthood-bearing man, we would have no ability to accomplish the ordinances that we need to progress along the path. It took a woman to usher us into this world, and it takes a man to usher us into the next. That woman is Eve, it's Mary who birthed Jesus, it's your own mother who birthed you. The man is the savior Jesus Christ, or the men in your own family or ward who are able to provide um, priesthood ordinances for you. If this is at all interesting to you, please go listen to Sister Hudson's talk. It's incredible. It was the single most helpful thing for me to get all of this settled in my head. And there you have it. There, there are many similarities and some important differences between Latter-day Saint women and evangelical women. I hope this conversation has encouraged your faith 
sparks something in you to learn more, helps you recognize the goodness and the gifts that we do have in our church and might make your conversation with your evangelical friends or family more meaningful. So join us next week. We will tackle another topic from the New Testament.